There has to be some sort of um, intention to keep filling the space. Like that space there, that just needed filling. Did it though? <laughs> kind of. Is there nothing wrong with a bit of a pause? A little bit of a pause, I suppose. Yeah. You know when the priest gets up there and talks? Dramatic pause. <laughs> Gives you that time to reflect on how much of a piece of shit you are. Is that new? Yeah, you got from Christmas. Yeah, that's high tech. You want a I want one. That would be. I want one. I need one for my training. Need, want, want, I suppose. I'm rolling, by the way. We're rolling here too. All right, cool. We're on. Check your levels. <coughs> uh, test, test. How's that sound? Well, you're not talking into the microphone, so. Test, test. How's that sound? Sorry, bro. I'm a little bit rusty. Rusty, rusty. Uh, it's not loud enough. Test, one, two. Test, one, two. One, two, two, two. Just discussing the, uh, the topic of creating energy before we launch into our episode. We're three pretty excitable guys, but I guess it doesn't always come through in the audio recording. So we're <coughs> going for a rolling start today. It was just Hello. pretty unofficial. Hello, test, test. That looks good. Test, test. Happy with that? Well, I can't hear T. I'm not sure if that's... Test, test, oh. test. Hello? Yeah. yeah, that's good. That's good. Hello. Can we begin? I think, we, yeah, we have. Yeah? We All right, cool, begun. man. Well, it's the first uh, JB cast for 2017. Uh, we intended to get this done last week, right, but been a pretty hectic start to the year i've found there's been quite a bit of stuff to get done admin wise and lifestyle wise and whatnot leading up to this no this is true um plus you went down sick that was the main reason why we didn't do yeah, it last that's week. fuck i lost my voice last week and you know what it's still <clears throat> not back 100 percent. that was a real cough um yeah i think i caught something on the plane coming back it's the perils of flying business class i suppose <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about business class nah, No need, it was pretty fucking awesome I did get to lie down You can lie down completely Which I've never experienced before on a plane Like, they set the table for you They put a little tablecloth, they come and serve you food You have steel cutlery The food is like extra high level It's get a little menu, choose what you want And then um, they come and clear that away And then they put a little mattress on your, on your chair And then it has an electronic control And you can make the chair completely lie flat horizontal so you can sleep that's pretty decent for business class Dude. usually that's like a first class thing it's fucking awesome it's a big gap between economy and business class yeah and business class a lot closer to first what is the price twice as much or i think it's about twice as much i did it on points obviously so i didn't <clears throat> I, I never actually outlaid that cash well indirectly i, I didn't out, directly i didn't outlay the cash but um yeah, I think it's about double. And then I think first class is maybe like double that or another 50% on top of that. First class is pretty up there. But, uh, you know, maybe next year. Let's see. Maybe. How successful this podcast is. Yeah, depending on how many <laughs> listeners we get. <laughs> All right. We want to talk today. We followed up 
Um, we mentioned last year, we did our episode on uh, some of the, I suppose, the cornerstones of the Jungle Brothers way. And the first one that we touched on was fighting, uh, which gave us one or two really good episodes, a topic that was pretty close to our heart. Today we want to go into lift and talk about why lifting features as, you know, why it is one of the other cornerstones. Can you have three cornerstones or does a corner imply that there has to be four? Paul? Uh, you can have three cornerstones. Can you have three cornerstones? Of course you can. Okay. It's like a three... Depending on the shape. Three-legged chair. Or triangle. Triangle. It's got three corners. It does. A triage. Mm. Okay, Stop, I like guys. it. Stop. It's the Jungle Brothers triage. <laughs> so we got... Uh, so lifting today is the topic of choice. Um, I'm going to throw your Award straight into the mix. Launch him Because he needs a bit of greasing up to get him in the groove. Ah. Okay, well, I, uh, I have been programming our lift uh, classes for the last, well, it's been about a year now, six months, eight months, mm. give or take. Yeah, most of the year, most last of, year. Yeah, most of last year. Uh, the, the class, we, we made this class, it used to be called... Str- uh, Strongman, wasn't it? Fuck, it was called Something. Strength. And then yeah. prior to that, it was called Strongman. Yeah, but then, we yeah, mm, but we ended up uh, sticking to the bar, I think, for the majority of the sessions anyway. So we decided to just call it lift. Yep. Yeah. So it comprises of anything with the barbell uh, that uh, includes bench press here and there, but uh, mostly revolves around our Olympic lifts and um, the derivatives. Is that the right terminology to use? Yeah, I like that. Yeah. And uh, our power lifts as well. We like them too, deadlifts and squats. And uh, it's generally there to make our individuals stronger, would you say? Building their ability to withstand external force. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think I find that that's the, one of the, the main, like the most important aspects of it is teaching you how to handle an external force or an external object. Um, you know, so that can come in any shape or form. But a barbell is just a really convenient and sort of easy to manipulate. Well, sometimes easy, sometimes not. But it's, it's a consistently shaped object that you can learn to get better at controlling an external object. Um, I've heard people say in the past that you should learn it sort of mastering control of your own body first before you go into lifting something outside of you. But I kind of think it's a bit of bullshit because you're always going to have to control something outside of you. It doesn't matter how, how coordinated or uncoordinated you are at controlling yourself. You're going to have to pick something up or you're going to have to carry something or you're going to have to fuck whatever, right? Like pick up, you know, even shopping or, or, or a child or something, right? Mm-hmm. Unless you're like Stephen Hawkins. He does that shit with his eyes, right? He just looks and things levitate. Mm. Is that... No, he's the guy in the... <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Is man. <laughs> you pick on a guy in a wheelchair, <laughs> bro. <laughs> anyway, Tease Paul's red right now. <laughs> <laughs> He's funny. Mm. So anyway, moving on. So yeah, the uh, programming <laughs> was um, the pro- the pro- the programming the, the way we program it anyway is designed to to cater for everyone. So it doesn't matter what level you're on. If you're a beginner, if you're uh, an advanced lifter. You're still going to get something out of it, and I think uh, 
even uh, the less compact, complex lifts, uh, when we structure around weight as a variable, that in itself is enough to pretty much get a response out of anyone, if I should put that out there. Because you know, you put the weight up on you the mean it, Yeah, that's right. You mean mm. a response in terms of like whatever it is, strength or muscle mass or yeah. coordination, blah, blah, anything. Yeah, any kind of metabolic or endocrine or whatever kind of response that we, we want to create by putting weight on the bar and setting sets and reps and all that kind of stuff generally um, can, can, uh, we can accomplish that by increasing the weight on the bar to accommodate the person who's lifting it. If that makes any sense. Yeah, total sense. Mm. I mean, that's the, I guess that's an interesting distinction to, to make for our people and for, yeah, for the JB community at large is that the variable that you change with lifting an external object like a barbell, take squats and deadlifts as a really easy example, the variable is the weight. So in weightlifting terms, that's considered intensity, right? How much, how much the load is, percentage of your 1RM. Whereas with a lot of the upper body strength work we do here, which delves more into the movement side of things, because it's your body, your body's a fixed weight. So you, can't, you don't really change that variable so much. You can in roundabout ways, but you tend to change the complexity of the movement. So that would be the variable. You know, what kind of push is it? Is it a push up or is it a handstand push up or a dip? So the barbell stuff then, the movement remains consistent but that one variable is how much weight is on the bar. Mm. I think the other one we like to play with more so in strength and movement and uh, which is another class and also our movement-based classes are our uh, tempos or lift ratios, the speed at which you uh, execute the movement, at what point through that movement you execute that speed. Uh, we've moved away from that with our lift class a little so people can get into the habit of just putting more weight on the bar and using that particularly like, or just relying on someone to get a bit more intuitive with the lift, not be restricted by, by uh, the count, the number and that kind of stuff. Mm. And there is actually uh, a level of coordination that you need to move through a lift, to accelerate through a lift, at the top or the bottom or however you want to do it but sometimes you can leave that up to intuition uh, when somebody's approaching a bar barbell for a deadlift, for instance, and they need to lift it from point A to point B and then back down again. Uh, the speed of that lift can change depending on the angle that you've got it. And sometimes it's good just to leave that up to the individual to find out what works best for them rather than sticking them to a strict lift ratio to get the same benefits, which is also a very effective way of getting someone strong. You know, mm, makes a lot of sense. I like it. When did you start doing that? Getting rid of the the ratios. Yeah. Oh, yeah. sorry. The um, tempo. The tempo. Yeah. Uh, it's probably over. Been about six months ago, I think. Yeah, I'd mm. say about. We just kind of got rid of them. <clears throat> yeah, I like that. I I when I first saw that because I'd been, you know, big on the tempo side of things over the last couple of years, and, and when I saw that, I was like, no, it's interesting. The the tempos aren't there. And what I realized was it, I think it is a better choice to exclude the tempos when you want people to be concentrating more on the technical aspects of the lift. So like, 
the idea of taking a, a less experienced person and giving them a strict set of, or like a comprehensive set of cues to think about moving through the technique as well as a bunch of numbers that they have to count in their head while they're trying to remember those cues while they're under the weight of the, the bar is, is a bit of an overload, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it can be. And also, like, when you're dealing with, like, the heaviest weight you can lift, like whether it's a 4RM a or a 2RM or... One RM stands for repetition maximum, by the way. So um, the pace at which you move through that that uh, that phase of your lift can vary depending on the, the amount of velocity you build and all that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, it it takes out all of that that play in between. You just it just allows you to intuitively connect with your lift and do whatever it takes to get that bar up off the ground, if you know what I mean. You don't have any distractions, you know? Yeah, it makes sense. I think it's important to mention too that, like obviously when we're coaching that class, we're still very mindful of the tempo people are lifting at and we'll constantly check people like it must be controlled, it must be intentional and all that sort of thing. But yeah, we just don't give them those, you know, at the moment we're not giving them strict numbers to adhere to on that for the exact reasons you've just mentioned. Um, well, we should probably break down the repetition maximum thing because I think that concept still evades a lot of people, right? Mm-hmm. Paul, is that something that you've gone into in your recent studies? Not recently, no. No? You want to break it down? Uh, spotlight. Spotlight. Um, are you going <clears> to <throat> mark me on this? <laughs> is this in the test? <clears throat> oh, well, what... The this one is the test. Repetition max is... Um, the greatest volume of weight that you can lift in one in one repetition, right? Put another way, your that's what your one repetition max is, <clears throat> but your five repetition max would be different. Correct. Uh, how many of five repetitions you can lift at maximum weight? Yeah, exactly, exactly. It just refers to yeah, exactly what you said. The maximum load you can lift for that amount of reps. Mm-hmm. So for a lot of people, like, you know, it's interesting with our lift program and stuff here, like, you, we often refer to that and we'll test for 1RMs sort of throughout the year. Um, but, you know, in reality, the, we're, not, we're not a team of lifters. It's not something that we do day in and day out. It's, it's more of a, it's just a part of what we do. It's a bit of a sprinkling across the, the week and we like people to have proficiency in it but not specialisation in it. But so... The question that'll come up often, and particularly from people who have maybe been exposed to, say, lifting classes in other gyms, might often be something along the lines of, we'll be moving on to a new exercise. Let's say we're doing deficit deadlifts, and they'll ask, what percentage of my 1RM should this be? My response often in that situation is, I will evaluate the person. If I know that the person is an experienced lifter, which most of our people are not, then I will give them a, a percentage, let's say 70, 80%, whatever mm, it is. Mm. But for the majority of people, it's just like, look, work to a weight that is challenging but doable for that amount of reps and then work with that. And if you can increase it, you know, maybe set to set or maybe week by week or workout to workout, that's great. But don't be too fixated on the numbers. Just get to something that's challenging where you can maintain good form and work with that. Um, yeah, I find that comes up a little bit I guess it's kind of part of the weightlifting sort of style as well, right? 
Yeah, I think we, we test like every, well, I would say on average every 12 weeks kind of thing, but not the same lifts over and over and over again. There are always the lifts that we tend to focus on, so we have like themes over an eight to 12 week, like this, we've got a 16 week powerlifting theme, you would say, over the next 12 weeks. No one's locked in to having to stick to their program day in and day out, so you can play around with it a little bit. You can stick to the same lift week in and week out for 16 weeks and, and then when you retest, uh, it'll give you uh, a bit of feedback on, you know, the, uh, how much you've gained from that. And the weight, I think with the retest, uh, it's there, it's, it's a good uh, tool to show people that they've made uh, some form of gain that's not necessarily aesthetic or something that they can't feel it. Usually a lot of tests revolve around body fat percentage and you know, looking in the mirror and seeing how your body's changed. In this case, it's literally a numbers game. And that's, I think it's good because when you see these numbers on paper and you see a difference in, in that number and that number's gone up. So let's say for instance, you're lifting, uh, you, you do a, a 100 kilo, one RM deadlift and then 12 weeks later, you retest and you've got up to 110. Okay, so your physical uh, or aesthetic look may not have changed at all. You know, it may not feel any different, but the numbers state that something has changed. And this could be nervous system, it could be tendon and ligament, it could be st your stability, uh, strength in certain areas or your weakest link, could potentially even be just your confidence uh, really, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. All we know is that something's changed for the better. Yeah. And this is um, it's a good thing, you know, when somebody uh, mm -hmm. breaks a, a, a record for one RM, it gives you incentive to come back and continue to train because you know that you've, you've, you've gotten stronger. It doesn't necessarily matter where it is. Uh, most of the time, it's going to be the weakest link. And again, that weakest link could be uh, your, uh, your lower back, it could be... Uh, shitty tight ankles. Yeah, bad technique, shitty coordination. It could be uh, your confidence, you know. But uh, if, we can, if we can measure and remeasure, then this allows people to get the feedback that they need to either get them motivated to continue to training, but also to show them where they, yeah, they might go through six or 12 weeks and see no change at all. And then it's like, oh, the numbers have dropped then it gives you that feedback to be able to reassess, get back to the drawing board and say, okay, well, what needs to change, you know? How can we get those numbers back mm -hmm. up again? Where, where did you guys learn to lift? Like, when did you start lifting barbells? Like, what was your first experience? Mine was back in the 60s in Russia, man. <laughs> Just come to the end of the Cold War at that stage. <laughs> um, mine, mine was... Um, mine was through CrossFit, I think... Yeah, I think it was when I was initially playing around with CrossFit and I had my mm. buddy Glenn with his CrossFit gym and I used to train up there, you know, once or twice a week with a couple of friends. Shout out, <laughs> Caroline. Um, yeah, and we used to do a little bit of weightlifting and then I decided yeah. to go and get a qualification in teaching it from the Australian Weightlifting Federation. Oh, what was that, like a, a workshop? Or? Yeah, it's just a two-day course where they teach you, you know, supposedly the basics of of being a weightlifting coach, so you get certified to be a club level weightlifting coach. Mm, mm. 
uh, I then followed that up with when I did my CrossFit certification, the level one. Admittedly, the CrossFit certification was way better at teaching me some fundamentals of weightlifting than the AWF one was. But yeah, that was where it started for me. Mine was uh, Luke Burra. Luke Burra. Shout out Luke Burra. Shout yeah. out oh. Alpha CrossFit Human Podcast. Mm. Yeah, so I... Prob- I Look, I'd been, don't get me wrong, I'd done a whole bunch of lifting before I met Luke, but all of it was generally based around the old bodybuilding techniques, which in turn I think uh, still need to, I, I mean, bodybuilding's got such a bad rap on it, but look, at the end of the day, training hypertrophy, it gets you stronger. And I've seen this time and time again when I've tested and retested 1RMs after pure hypertrophy programming, not even targeting strength, and I've watched people's strength increase by you know, up to 20%. This is, we're talking about beginners here. So for me, it served its purpose, you know. Uh, Luke introduced me to the Olympic lift and uh, the power lift. And, uh, you know, I think there's just a lot more depth involved in, in the breakdown of the technique and all that kind of stuff. And I think, um, yeah... Overall, it's just more fun, you know, and I think that's why it, it plays a role. Olympic lifting Olympic as lifting. opposed to powerlifting. Uh, is more no, fun? no, no. The two, as opposed to like your standard bodybuilding routines. Ah, uh, yep. Yeah. What do you mean by bodybuilding uh, routine? Well, you stand like bell. eight to twelve reps of you know targeting different body parts from whether it's uh, you know chest and back one day and buys and tries or you know legs another day or whatever it is, and incorporating machines and all that. Can we, kind of stuff. can we break down how the, how the reps, for, the, for those that don't know, how the reps affect the physiological outcome? Okay, so this is general. It's very general. So from like, if you're working from like a one to four repetition max, if you're, if you're, and repetition max again, meaning that the muscle starts to fatigue on those last reps and you have to change your pattern to get the weight up or you have to, you have to stop lifting, mm. then uh, you're predominantly targeting strength for, your, for the gains that you want out of that exercise. Uh, I'm not 100% sure on this, but I think it's got something to do with the fact that the body doesn't get enough time under tension to create enough microtrauma for the muscle to grow. So it takes the second best option and the endocrine system reacts and tendon and ligament gets stronger and and the muscle system. gets denser and, yeah, you spread more nerves to more fibres, so you get more fibre recruitment, stuff like that. I'm not... It's not my forte, that, that side of things. The, uh, but uh, 8 to 12 reps, or, you know, and a little bit of grey area on both sides of that, is generally it gives you enough time under tension and enough weight to tear fibre. And when the fibre tears, you go home that night, you eat lots, sleep and the body repairs itself a little bit thicker, a little bit bigger than it was the day before. Uh, Anything over that, like 15 and up, is generally strength uh, endurance based. So I think uh, I'm not uh, 100% sure on what kind of response you get out of those kind of reps, but I'm pretty sure it's all kind of uh, lactic threshold and fucking, I don't know. Yeah, no, it's quite, a, quite an aerobic effort. Too. Yeah, and, t- yeah. and again, tendon and ligament, a bit more slow twitch muscle fibre involvement and all that kind of jazz. Yeah. So you could say that, you know, in, in really simplifying it, 
and, and obviously it's not always this straightforward. But they generally, um, people who are, you know, Olympic lifters and powerlifters and stuff, they want to get stronger and more explosive. They want to work down the bottom end of that scale. But then bodybuilders pretty much exclusively work on that 8 to 12 rep range. You know, yeah, they and might... Yeah, a little bit up. Yeah, oh. and they maybe veer from it occasionally, but essentially all their training is based around getting bigger. So they don't... Yeah, like that's, you know, you say it's more fun focusing on the strength side of things. I totally agree. Because I think when you're training in that hypertrophy or that muscle growth sort of realm, it's just pain. It's just a lot of lactic acid, yeah. a lot of byproduct of the exercise, a lot of soreness. Oh. And it's constantly pushing for the pump and for the burn and all those kind of stupid terms mm. that we associate with gym jocks. Mm. But yeah, it's, it's, not a very, it's not a very satisfying way to train. No, it's a little bit... I find it personally a little bit mundane as well. realise you're fucking jacked. (laughs) (laughs) Holy shit, I'm jacked. (laughs) People still love it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, everyone still wants it, right? Yeah, Yeah, and they're venturing into other areas now, bodybuilders, because obviously (laughs) they're trying to get as big as they possibly can. So, you know, they're they're venturing into those those lower lower rep ranges, working Mm. on strength. Mm. So their potential RM for the 8 to 12s go up as well, you know. But, um, yeah, I think uh, we've veered towards the, the more complex lifts because there's just more depth to them, you know. And at the end of the day, you've got you to gotta enjoy what you're doing. And I think uh, the people that train in our gym, our tribe, they like that, that challenge to come back and continually be uh, progressing on, on, the comp, uh, on the competency of the lift, not just the, the li- putting weight on the bar or, or getting the pump, you know, checking the size of the bicep when the finish workout, you know. So, yeah, there's a lot to say about that side of things, coordination, and you don't, a lot of the times you don't, uh, you don't put those two words together like lifting weights and coordination, you know, generally something you... You, um, you, you look at with more dynamic sports like tennis and swimming and whatever else, you, you know, rugby and that kind of stuff or skateboarding. But, uh, you, uh, you know, Olympic lifters, very, very coordinated right. people, yeah. Yeah, very right. flexible, very, very strong, very fast. Yeah, it's great. There are attributes that we want here, you know. Yeah, I think there's, uh, I, I think in current like sports science, there's not really many athletes out there in, in all fields of sport who don't do some kind of lifting, right? Like it's been found to be, a, a, you know, a very beneficial activity for almost all forms of movement and play. Mm. Uh, and I think that says a lot, you know, which kind of then ties into, you know, what is it about squatting and deadlifting and cleaning and snatching and whatever that, that's kind of so important. And I think for a lot of people, they maybe don't, uh, notice the similarity between all of those exercises, which is this act of hip flexion and extension. So like sticking your ass back, keeping your back straight, and then you know extending the hips forward like in a deadlift. Why is that such a... Tell us why that is such an important, you know, part of our movement repertoire. I... Um, well, the glute is the biggest muscle in the human body. And it's no, my glutes. <laughs> 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 And um, I guess they're designed to propel us, you know. And we don't... I mean, our ancestors used to do a lot of running away from things or chasing things. And we just don't... We don't do much of that anymore. So... And we used to pick a lot of shit up. 
you know, heavy stuff. Drag logs shit. and stones and shit and chuck stuff at each other and all that kind of stuff. We don't really do that anymore. So, I mean, the way I look at what we do in here is like a substitute, it's a substitute for what our bodies were designed to do. And lifting or shifting objects, one of those things. So it's almost like to keep your body in tune, you have to try and replicate a little bit of what that body was designed to do. You know, um, I was actually reading an article on why the testicles are where they are. And supposedly, because they sit directly in front of the butt, and when blood pumps out of the butt, pushes into the testicles, that helps promote growth hormone. So all these little things uh, that our, uh, that the, the, like placements of stuff in our body and why things are where they are, it all kind of... That was the day no. Dior typed into Google, why are my testes in front of <laughs> why my, my butt? <laughs> why are my testes sitting in my stomach? Oh, yeah. shit. Oh, yeah. everyone's hangs out? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> so anyway, yeah... Um, I think that's one of, one of the, the, the greatest things about the squat and the deadlift is the um, endocrine responses that we get, producing those growth, that growth hormone in the body and accelerating all the, the areas that we, uh, recovery and uh, bone density and getting good sleep afterwards, all these things, you know, they're great. Uh, I think they're apart from the fact that you get these glistening, round, high butt Oof, cheeks. Yoked. Could just chuck mm. coins off and bounce all over the room. Yeah, that's shit. right. So speed many other, on material. Yeah, so many other oh, great benefits. And look, that carries over as well. And there's the thing about the deadlift like, and the squat. You can dig holes all day uh, as a labourer. You can swim vast distances. Uh, it's not going to you improve your 1RM. You yeah, it's not going to improve your 1RM on the deadlift. But if you do a little bit of deadlift, that's potentially going to help you become a stronger digger, potentially a faster swimmer, potentially a more explosive runner, yeah. depending on how you use it mm. and if you're in the right hands, right coaching hands. But it doesn't go the other way, you know. So I think from that point of view, it's a great additive. Uh, my personal um, opinion on the sport on its own, for me, is very imbalanced. 